Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. Shalom, shalom. This week's Sadash Drush is brought to you from Israel. Just uh, a few days before Yom HaZikaron, uh, Israel Memorial Day and Yom HaAtzma'ut, Israel Independence Day. And there are so many flags covering this city right now, on people's cars, on lampposts, pretty much everywhere. And there is this sense of celebration as Israel prepares to commemorate its uh, 69th year. I am, for this week, uh, I had three interviews with, with people who have lived here a very long time, all originally from, from England, from the UK, um, friends and relatives, and uh, each doing remarkable things here in fields of, of journalism, Jewish education, and so on. And um, I'm going to just uh, provide some snippets from those three uh, interviews to bring perspectives on what it is we're, we're celebrating when we celebrate Israel's independence and uh, in all of its nuance and complexity and, and perhaps what it means in 2017 to, to have a state of Israel. So uh, I hope you enjoy these interviews with Rabbi Joel Levy and Charlotte Halle and Jeremy Lee and uh, thanks as always for listening to uh, A Dash of Drash. Shalom, shalom. I am here with Charlotte Halle, who for nine years was the editor of the English language Haaretz newspaper and is now the international director for the same organization, Haaretz. And um, full disclosure is also my cousin. And I'm here in Tel Aviv. Um, and we're just, uh, just going to chat a little bit because Yom Haaretzmah is coming up, Israeli Independence Day. What, what is that for you? What is that for you, Charlotte? What is Yom Haatzmaut for you this year? Well, one of the things it is, is a day off work. So that's nice. That doesn't happen when you're a Jew abroad. You might have an event at the synagogue, but you don't get a day and a half off. Um, uh, and it's a day to see friends and have barbecues and hang out and have fun and not even feel guilty that you're not going to shul like some of the other Chagim here. <laughs> um, it also follows Yom HaZikaron very closely, which is um, a heavy going day, even for people like me that are not mourning a family member or anyone particularly close. It's still a tough day because so many people are and because the siren doesn't let you get on with your day and ignore everything and because I'll probably join my kids at a ceremony at their school where I think this year they're doing something special about uh, somebody called Roy Pelez who was a 21 year old who was killed three years ago in the Gaza war and that 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 makes it real and close and he's a, a, a was a graduate of their te, of their school in Tel Aviv so Yom HaZikaron can't be um, pushed away as as uh, as part of the experiences that we go through this week even in Tel Aviv which is traditionally known as a bubble of hedonism 
but doesn't always share the the woes and the you know and the difficulties of some of the rest of the country you know uh, both Yomazikaron and Yomatsmo are very present here I mean it's just such a it's such a weird contrast isn't it when it comes like you're saying like right on the heels of this intense memorial day I mean there's a memorial day in America and it's you know people go for barbecues and there are big sales on that weekend but memorial day here as you just said uh, really everything stops and people it's very introspective day and then like the transition is very quick, isn't it, between Yomazikaron and Yomazmo? Uh, it is, and that's something that Israelis, I think, really uh, enjoy the symbolism of that because of the pain and the joy of um, uh, of this still newish Jewish nation here. I think one of the interesting questions for 2017 is that is about whether for people on the left for people who don't appreciate our current government's nationalistic enthusiasm um um will find it are, are people like me finding it increasingly difficult to even go to kika rabin with our kids and act like um, we have anything to do with this celebration. Mm. Um, you know, I don't put out. We don't put out flags. Not, not, not because not because of anything to do with um, Benjamin Netanyahu, but more to do with my general disdain for flag waving, which probably stems back to growing up in seventies and eighties Britain, where national flags were a symbol of the national front and the far right and not necessarily anything to do with our current government but I would say that people on the left in Israel um, are finding it m more difficult to um, go with the flow when the, the, the current government's narrative is being so aggressively forced onto us, our kids let alone the Palestinians living in our midst whose completely different narrative of this day is has a bit more than foam sprayed over it. So what does it mean for you to be a Zionist these days in 2017? Are you a Zionist? <clears throat> yeah, I, do, I don't have any problem calling myself uh, a Zionist. In fact, probably um, I would cling on to the term more more tightly than ever before because I do not wish Zionism to be affiliated with um, building settlements um, theft of Palestinian land restricting Palestinian movements even though I realise for a lot of the world Zionism is synonymous with everything that's bad about this country um, I am clinging on to the fact that um, Zionism, uh, it, uh, you know, is still an expression of national liberation for Jews, which doesn't have to, um, which doesn't um, have to come um, at the expense of the national aspirations of Palestinians 
um, as well, even though that there's clearly an intractable territorial conflict, um, surely um, with a lot of work and commitment and dedication, there could be some kind of agreement. Mm. Inshallah, as I say. It's been great talking to you, Charlotte. Um, however you end up celebrating Yom Hatzmut, I hope there is some joy and celebration. And Chag Sameach, and I want to say again, um, I was here for your son Rafi's bar mitzvah, which was a lovely, lovely celebration, and wish you and all your family once again a Mazal Tov, and uh, see you soon. Great, thank, great talking to you. I'm here now with Rabbi Joel Levy, an old friend from England who's lived years, many years in, in Israel and Jerusalem. And uh, he is one of the Rosh Yeshiva, one of the heads of the Yeshiva, of the conservative Yeshiva, an amazing place where I actually studied for two years before I completed my rabbinic studies. And um, Joel, um, yeah. Hi, Joel. Hello. Good to see you. Nice to see you too. So, Joel, tell me, as we approach Yom Ha'atzmo, what, what, what it means for you to celebrate Israel's 69th birthday this year? What does it mean? Well, how are you going to celebrate? In general, I find it quite hard to be, uh, to be told to celebrate anything. But um, I'll be at home with my family. We'll um, burn some meat <laughs> and drink some wine and have a Um I'll be moderately happy. The uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess one should celebrate birthdays. Yeah. But it's very, you know, there there is a time for kind of unadulterated happiness. And this is, I suppose, around Israel. This is about this is about as close as I get to just saying, I don't care. Like, there's so many problems, issues. It's so complex. But today we're saying happy birthday, Israel. Like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that. I th- yeah, yeah, in the sense, like like you do with a person as well. Like you know, like you know, if you if your own birthday, like if you look at your own life. And it's kind of screwed up most of the time. I mean, there's, it's not like, you know, it's not plain sailing. It's complicated. It's like, you know, relationships are difficult. And there's moments of great joy and moments of great incompetence and moments of, you know, which are, which are, which are appalling. Um, but, but on your birthday, I suppose, you know, it's, it's legitimate that you should have one day where you put that aside and just celebrate. I think that's, you know, the same, yeah. Like, Pes- you know, with Pesach, we have, a, a, we have a kind of unadulterated celebration of Jewish liberation, about freedom. We don't think too much about how bad we are at actually living out that freedom mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a meaningful way, in a way that's uh, dignified and real. But that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate. So, you know, with a, it's, some, you know, some, it's hard because I spend a lot of my time feeling so torn about Israel's existence and about what it does and how it how it lives with itself and how bad it is at doing some things which I think are very important um, and and yet there are you know there is there is there is what to celebrate there's definitely what to celebrate oh my god compared to all those years without a state I think you know my grandfather was a, a big Zionist and for I think that for him to just thinking about what it would have meant to him to have had grandchildren and great-grandchildren living in Israel, serving in the army. That would have been a total, a total 
joy for him. Mm. You know, and just the experience of being here and having our own country is astonishing. Yes. Despite all the complexity. Yeah. Yeah. You have a daughter in the army right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I fear so. We still need an army at the moment. So she's. Uh, and you know, there's. She, I wish she graduated from officer training. Uh, this week, and um, even if you've been living in Israel for a long time, there are th there are s things about Israeli society that you just don't get that you're not that you're not really ultimately a part of, and then you kind of gradually get your kind of work your way into. So, those kind of army ceremonies of graduation are are uh, one of those kind of experiences where you just feel like you're from a different planet. Um, thousands of people coming to celebrate their children graduating from uh, training. Um, all these beautiful young men and women wandering around with M16, M16 strapped to them um, without a hint of macho at all. There's no, there's not a macho sense at all. There's just a very, it's kind of weird. There's, it's very militaristic, but also very Hamish <laughs> in a very p peculiarly Israeli way. Yeah. I think, you know, in America or in England, I think the army has a, has a feeling of being butch and of being aggressive, but there was not a hint of aggression about all these kids walking around with their guns. And real celebration. And uh, ceremonies that are somewhat impenetrable, you don't quite know what's going on. Then at a certain point towards the end of the ceremony, after an hour of marching around and stuff, they, you know, everyone stands up and they, and they, and they uh, play Hatikva. And all these kind of very varied families from all over the world who, who have very little in common with each other from Haredim to the most secular secular families all you know stand up together and sing together and uh, you know that that I, that brings still brings a tear to my eye um more than a tear that you know that that sense of of having a purpose and being mm -hmm. here that make that certainly you know certainly brings a tear to my eye so, I mean, related, I suppose, like, I mean, what does, you talked about your grandfather, I mean, yeah. what does it mean to you to be a Zionist in 2017? Right. Um, I, you know, I believe that the process of the partial normalization of the Jewish people involves us having our own state, and I don't think we had much choice after the Second World War. Um, I don't think we had much choice. We have an opportunity here to build a society um, which is somewhat in, a, in accord with the values that we hold. And um, the, um, you know, that we've had all those years in diaspora moaning about the way we've been treated by other people and moaning about the way other people have run their countries. And, um, and we're giving it a go to have a, have a state which is run, broadly speaking, by the Jewish people. And, um, you know, for the, Jewish, for the Jewish people to run their own society, for us to run our own army and our, to, for us to, you know, run our own social services and for us to organise our own agriculture and for us to do all that stuff is a pretty amazing thing. And we're, we're quite pe peculiarly bad at it at the moment as well, you know, which is also true. Like, I think that this is an opportunity for us to, to screw up our own society and to take responsibility for that. And people who moan about things, broadly speaking, um, ought to stop moaning and, and do get on with it and do it. Like, you know, we are a moany, we're a moany people in the 21st century. But instead of moaning, you need to do it. And 
You mean I'm, we haven't always been moaning people? No, we have been moaned, but we've moaned from a position of powerlessness, and now we have power. So if I complain about the fact that uh, about something about the way agriculture is run in British society, then you know, so I know that I'm never going to do that. I know that I'm not ultimately responsible for running the, the way agriculture is run in British society. But here, the, it's the Jews who are cocking up everything. <laughs> So, like, you know, everything we do here, we me- we're messing up, and it's us who's messing it up, and we have the possibility of screwing it up for ourselves and and of perfecting it for ourselves as well. So, you know, it's... It, you sh- I don't think people... Maybe we make a mistake when we say to people, come and live in Israel, it's wonderful. I would say the opposite. I would say, you know, come and live in Israel because it's really, it's really appalling here in all sorts of ways. And that's why you have to live here. You have to live here because... This is an opportunity. This is a place where the work that I do goes to shape um, a Jewish a Jewish civilization, and I you know I do my bit, a tiny bit, but I do my bit. I do the little bits of things that I can work at, but um, I don't. I certainly don't live in here, live here because it's nice. I th- I can think of a, a hundred places to live that would be nicer, mm. and there's all sorts of things f- you know that I find extremely distasteful about this society. Some of it because of Judaism and the way that Judaism is played out here some of it because of um, the neighborhood that it's in you know we live in a we live in quite a rough neighborhood and um, sometimes if you live in a rough neighborhood you, you have to you have to be prepared to to fight for your survival and that also shapes character in a way which is unfortunate um, but I, you know, I would. I think you know. I, there's not a day goes by when I don't think about living in Derbyshire, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, like Derbyshire is a very beautiful part of northern England, which is green and civilized and calm, and people generally don't try to kill you so much there, <laughs> and people have have a relaxed relationship with religion, which is which is attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not so uptight and uh, you know it's just it's a beautiful part of the world so I, fa- I definitely have a Derbyshire fantasy and I suppose in some ways all of us who come and live here are trying to bring something of like the world that we come from and uh, you know there aren't, there aren't enough civilised western Jews um, who have a who've grown up with democracy and who wear it lightly on their shoulders uh, living in this country you know, like the, the still the case that the majority of people who live here have come from countries without a profound history of democracy uh, whether they're coming from from former Soviet Union or whether they're coming from Arab countries or uh, you know you've brought together all these people without a profound history of democracy to try and shape a democracy which is a difficult thing to do it would certainly make life easier if there were another million liberal American Jews the, the only American Jews who are making Aliyah at the moment are, are, are are ones who are making the situation probably a bit worse as opposed to better. Um, in the spirit of what you said yourself about like <laughs> celebrating birthdays, yeah. let's just finish with one one thing that you feel really positive about this I'm country. positive about all that stuff. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't. I'm, I'm positive about all that stuff. I'm, that's, that we're, you mean what, what do I actually like about no, just, the country? Just like, yeah, something that you really love about I Israel. I like the, the main thing I would say I like about being here is I like um, being normal. Uh-huh. It's, it's an ama- it, it is a truly amazing thing to be a normal person, and Jews are never normal in the diaspora. And that abnormality has a power to it as well. But I think there, it is an amazing. Like when when I when I travel back to the UK uh, or to America, and I'm you know I'm with a c- community on on Shabbat, and I'm 
you know, walking down the street and um, and all the shops are open and the buses going past and it's you know it's an it's a normal day for everyone else and the Jews are busily trying to you know keep their own Sabbath in their own particular way. Um, you know that you're you know that um, your own religious life is implausible. You know there's a kind of profound implausibility about your own religious life, and here it's plausible. Like, you know we're trying to shape a. Uh, Judaism is normal here and I don't have to explain who I am to people I do have to explain what it means to be a liberal Jew and <laughs> that's you know that's a different story the story about what it means to be someone who cares about the things that liberal Jews care about as right. opposed to you know the, the the vast majority of the Judaism practice certainly in Jerusalem is illiberal and um, uh, um, or, or orthodox and and that certainly is is increasingly difficult for for liberal Jews with a small L and um, so you know, there's there's elements of my life, even in that realm, which are which are disturbing and toxic. But um, you know, being normal is an amazing thing. Uh, and the other thing I think, you know, you know, having children who speak fluent Hebrew is an amazing thing. To have raised children who, for whom, their access to the kind of classics of of the Jewish tradition is 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 fluid and fluent, and uh, for whom. Their, their Judaism is a primary identity as opposed to a secondary identity. So it's not easy. It's not easy uh, living here. I would say, like uh, the challenge uh, in Israel, as it is, uh, as it is probably in North America at the moment, is the challenge of um, how to be ourselves and to and to, to care about everyone authentically. Like how to be be ourselves and care for everybody. Which is, you know, the age-old problem of how to be a particularist and universalist, and to how to hold that together with dignity, um, without slipping over into the bad stuff, because um, an overemphasis on on particularity, an overemphasis on self, selfhood, statehood, um, you know, it's there's a very fine line between uh, putting Israel first and only caring about Israel. Mm. Uh, putting America first and only caring about America, and um, and uh, that sometimes Israel tiptoes along that line. It's very in a dangerous way, like you know where our, our particularity like tips over um, into a less healthy forms of self-regard, kind of narcissism, um, and and all societies have to preserve themselves against that kind of communal narcissism, which I think is blossoming in the states at the moment for all sorts of reasons. And um, we have to fight against that. And the, f the other side of the coin is uh, is a kind of universalism, which is the, which really bespeaks a complete lack of identity. And uh, the challenge for us here at the moment, I think, in Israel, is how to hold that tension in a um, in a healthy way. Mm. How to be a healthy society. And um, it's it's also very hard to be a healthy society when it's when you're very stressed, which we are stressed in all sorts of ways, stressed financially, stressed militarily. And uh, you can't really normalise. You can't really kind of you can't you can't get on with the normal business of creating a healthy version of a Jewish society while we're under those kind of external stresses and strains. Um, but we do quite a bad job of it, I would say, a lot of the time. And uh, the struggle of being here, which is also part of the joy of being here, is being a participant in that struggle to create a healthy Jewish society. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks so much. And to you. <laughs> I am sitting here in Jerusalem 
with uh, an old friend, haven't seen him for a while, Jeremy Lee, who is uh, a really great Jewish educator, has lived in Israel for how many years have you lived in Israel? Uh, 25. 25 years. And Jeremy is the head of Israel studies at Hebrew Union College here in Jerusalem. And um, just, uh, it's good to see you, Jeremy. It's lovely to see you, Mark. I would just love to ask you, um, just to reflect a little bit what it means to be celebrating Yom Ha'atz Ma'ut in 2017 to celebrate Israel's independence. I mean, formerly I'm the head of Israel Studies, although I have to say my, my court, my, when I studied at university was history and I see myself probably as a history teacher more than anything else. And I say that because um, it, the question about picking up on the present, a present day celebration, but put that into a historical context. It's about marking time. And uh, there are a whole number of anniversaries which are in the air this year. It's uh, 100 years um, since the Balfour Declaration was issued by the British. And uh, for all of the politics around it, certainly uh, from a Palestinian point of view, rightfully they could probably challenge, you know, who was it for the British to be able to give away a piece of land or to promise a piece of land to the Jews. But from a Jewish point of view, um, you know, it's a remarkable thing. It's 100 years since a significant sector of the world acknowledge the right of the Jews or the uh, the connection of the Jews to the land of Israel and that's you know when you kind of follow through with everything that's happened in the last hundred years um, it's, a, it's an opportunity for pride um, obviously uh, on, the, on the level of pride but also complexity it's, it's also 50 years since uh, the 1967 war uh, Israel um, captured um, the eastern side of the city and the West Bank, the biblical heartlands of Judea and Samaria and Gaza and the Golan Heights. And that, of course, in a way brings me to the heart of what the commemoration of independence is really about, which is a complicated mix of pride, responsibility, recognition that the moment you step up onto the plate of history and you demand to be a normal nation like other nations, then um, you're not just responsible for yourself anymore. You're also responsible for the way that you exist in the world and how you navigate power. So um, for me, Yom Hatzmut um, is a day of huge amount of pride and a huge amount of celebration to recognize all the achievements that we've made, but also it's a time for reflection and thinking about all the... I know the work that's not yet done. The act of becoming an independent nation doesn't happen instantaneously. And uh, maybe without want to go too deep too quickly, but maybe I think it's a fair point. How long does it take for a nation who've not had sovereignty for 2,000 years? You don't learn sovereignty in 20 minutes or in you know, 60, 70 years. Um, it might be that it will take the Jewish people another 100, 200 years to learn what it means to be a sovereign people and to navigate all the things that go with that, including, by the way, the relationship between the homeland and the diaspora which is a powerful legacy of our history. And so, just curious, like, how will you be celebrating? How will you actually be spending the day with your <laughs> well, last month? I think, I mean, I, I, for me, I, I, and there are those who I think logically and naturally will just focus on the Yom Hatzmut. I can't se separate that from the day before, which is Yom Hatzikar on the day for fallen soldiers. I say, by the way, particularly because I understand... Um, you know, it's probably the one Israeli day of the year that is the hardest, I think, for diaspora Jews, le legitimately and honestly, to get a handle on, because it's 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 commemorating the lives of people um, in a very specific, you know, political context or national context. Um, but the intense grief and outpouring of emotion that happens on 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 fallen soldiers day on Yom Hazikaron. Um, I think in a way sort of pumps up a little bit of the extra of what happens on your Matsmut. One of the most profound days of the year for me, or moments of the year, um, 
is that transition. It's the ceremony that takes place at Herr Herzl. Um, the setting, I have to say, somewhat amuses me a little bit that everyone dances around the grave of Theodore Herzl. Um, it, it doesn't somehow feel the most Jewish thing to be doing, but nonetheless, um, who am I? Um, <laughs> but the moment of transition where the flag goes up um, and the music starts and the flags come in and there's parades but actually in a way the military side drifts very quickly and we get into dancing and we get into um, we get into the sense of celebration the most powerful thing of all is the lighting of 12 torches um, each one representing in a, some sort of emblematic symbolic way the 12 tribes of Israel and you know the building of a modern day Israeli liturgy and practice of how do we celebrate independence and by celebrating the achievements of 12 people in a particular given theme so now I realise that in you know in 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 Israel I'm always intrigued to see whether it's just slightly overzealous Jewish educator types maybe who actually still watch the ceremony. How many Israelis actually watch the ceremony? But frankly, I I don't really care. For me, it is one of the and I'm brutal. We sit in the living room, the whole family we, we watch it. And uh, I have an old my oldest daughter's in the army at the moment. My middle daughter's going to the army in September. You know, it's impossible to separate. It's all visceral. And remember, I chose this, and so um, I was born in the UK. I chose to live here and my children were born here my wife's also from the UK and I think both of us I think feel that however cheesy it may seem 100% part of the ceremony and then you know with all of that and then you know the rest of the the rest of the day maybe one other thing I'll say is that maybe to come down from the high point lofty discussion of sovereignty and power and history um, there are very few celebratory days in the Israeli calendar that aren't um, that, that aren't caught up in religious nonsense I mean I say that not in a passive aggressive way there's no restrictions um, it's not Chag um, and there is an issue whether um, you know exactly there's an issue about saying hallel or not but um, but apart from that it really is everything's wide open and I'll say for me you know again it, it, maybe this one of the most beautiful moments of the year is to wander through Jerusalem I mean Jerusalem is my home and it has been my home and I've lived here more than any other longer than any other place in the uh, in, in my life um, and there are lots of sort of you know entertainment areas built you know set up around Jerusalem and uh, paid for by the municipality it's good to know that my you know whatever my tax shekels are being spent wisely but what's so interesting is that you can see every sector of the Jewish population a full acknowledgement that it's only the Jewish population of the city that wants to has its own space so you know in the center of town there's a division between those who are the underage drinkers they're at one end of the city and then there's the people who are the sort of the just immediately post army drinkers they're somewhere else and and then there's the next stage up and, and you know as you move through the town but then there are these areas where the, for instance there's public dancing and there's the area where religious people go to dance where it's very you know acceptable to have separate dancing and there's the areas where it's, it's free for all and, it's, you know, and that I that sort of moment of acknowledging that all of Israel um, certainly all of Jewish Israel is out there and um, I think it's possible f given the 364 other days of the year where there's plenty of anxiety and there's lots of questioning about Israel as a Jewish and a democratic state and trying to talk about inclusiveness and social cohesion and drawing non-Jews into the kind of body politic of Israel one moment where we can just let go and actually not have to apologize and just be the people that we are um, as as celebrations go it's it's a great thing the rest of the day on the main day itself is the tribal gathering of the clans uh, for me it's me and i suppose the sub-anglo tribe meet as we do and have done every year um some people you know uh, whatever sacrifice meat on the altar of barbecue and the vegetarian that's not quite as exciting but um it's just one of those lovely easy open days great great reflections um a lot of flags around a lot of uh, energy of celebration and of course as you've uh, intimated 
it's complex, it's um, confusing. <coughs> We're here actually having this conversation in the YMCA <coughs> on King David Street in Jerusalem and there's quite a lot of background noise but it's just... Um, being here is sort of its own little paradox in a way, like we're not exactly in the Jewish center of Jerusalem, and yet, uh, you know, in a few days' time, it's really going to feel like the whole city is awash with Israeli flags. I was going to actually, let me pick up on that, because I have to say, it's, um, it's, it's you know, that's the... It's the challenge. One can see it positive or negative of contemporary Israeli life, of acknowledging that basically history and politics um, and issues of meaning and purpose, including spirituality and religion and our you know multiple ways to reach God, these exist totally in the public domain. And that and there are those who try and shy away from it. One of the reasons why I love living in Jerusalem is that no one's hiding anything. Everything is in the public domain and. And, and what's so interesting is, you know, to think where are the places where all those different subgroups actually meet each other. And the YMCA um, is is one of them. You know, y- y- there are a few places where you can hear Hebrew and Arabic being spoken side by side um, without anyone seeing necessarily the politics. With full acknowledgement that, you know, this is an Arab institution that sits opposite the King David Hotel where prime ministers and presidents, you know, come by. Um, I will say, by the way, just down the road, um, Hebrew Union College is, is literally also just across the road as well, which is where I work. Um, we have a, an ulpan that rents space in, in our in our complex. Um, mainly, it's Palestinian Arab students coming from East Jerusalem to learn Hebrew inside at HUC. I mean, it's to say, it's, other, it's another organization renting the space. But what's fascinating, if I just go back to the idea of, of your Matzmut, last week was Yom HaShoah. We had a ceremony um, in the in the main sort of courtyard of the college, and um, a lot of grief, a lot of tears, a lot of emotion, remembering the six million. And round and about on the edge were many Palestinian Arab students who were just here. They're just in the college to study Hebrew. They're not there to participate in anything that HUC represents. But um, you know, it was the first year we've been in that situation, and it was an intriguing moment of watching people looking on at our outpouring of identity. And um, I say that because you know it always strikes me that there are these little islands in Jerusalem where all of that stuff you know actually is happening even though it may be not be visible to the naked eye yeah all right really gonna leave it there but it's, it's great to see you and thank you so much for taking the time Likewise. to talk to me pleasure and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, we'll see each other soon let's hope Listening to a dash and rush. We will see you next time.